Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor is upon me. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We are thrilled to have you join us for this transformative journey. Before we dive into today's episode, we have some exciting announcements for you. Mark your calendars for the upcoming Women's Conference in April. Plus, don't miss the collective night of worship towards the end of February. More about these events are coming up at the end of today's episode. We continue our compelling series, Jesus at the Center of Freedom. In this episode, Senior Pastor Brian Jones will guide us through a thought-provoking message on physical healing. We'll explore whether the miracle of physical healing still happens today. So grab your headphones, find a comfortable space, and get ready for a powerful and uplifting message that just might reshape your perspective. Now let's welcome Senior Pastor Brian Jones as he shares his insights on physical healing. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have uh, not been with us, we are in a series called Jesus at the Center of Freedom. And so we've been looking, and really the heartbeat of this series, uh, if you were with us even the first week, I mentioned this, is Jesus doesn't just want to save you for heaven. He also wants to help you here on this earth. Amen. And so I mentioned the fact that for years, I thought you prayed a prayer You'd one day go be with Jesus in heaven, but right now you're sort of on your own, if you will. But what I, what I committed to you was that really when you look at the ministries of Jesus, there are four things that we've been looking at, and here's what we're talking about. And these are the ways that I believe Jesus wants to help you even now. And you'll see, wait for it right here, first is inner peace and emotional healing. We talked about that week one. The next was breaking strongholds, which we talked about last week. Uh, today, I'm talking about the subject of physical healing, and next week, we'll talk about salvation. And you go, well, where do you get these ministries of Jesus? Great question. Here's where this comes from. Luke chapter 4, think about this. Luke chapter 4, when Jesus starts his ministry. So if someone's being introduced to a company or someone is doing their first press conference, if they're starting something, wouldn't you think that their first thing they say would hold a lot of weight? So Jesus starts his public ministry, and the first thing he does is actually from Luke chapter 4, he quotes Isaiah 61, and this is what it says that uh, he'll be doing. It says this, Luke chapter 4, 18 through 19, and this is where we got all those subjects. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, to preach the gospel to the poor. We'll be talking about that next week as we talk about salvation. Notice this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's what we talked about week one, which is emotional healing. That you haven't just been set free or forgiven. You have emotional healing. God has brought freedom in your life. And then last week we talked about this, to proclaim liberty to the captives and also, I quoted the last part of that verse 19, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, which is the idea of strongholds. And today, we're looking at this part of verse 19 where it says, and recovery of sight to the blind. And so, this is one of the subjects, when you talk about physical healing, this is one that, that people probably struggle with the most, or at least they're the most confused about. What's interesting is commentators will say that Jesus spent a third of his life physically healing people third of his ministry actually physically healing people. 
And so people don't really question did Jesus heal people while he was on this earth. But there's a lot of confusion about physical healing now. Is that still what Jesus does? Is that still a part of the ministry? Now, I don't know if you've seen this before, but there was the third president of the United States, a man named Thomas Jefferson. And what he did was he liked the Bible, but he struggled with certain things in the Bible. So he did something a bit shocking. He actually took a razor-sharp penknife, and he cut out all the passages he struggled with. Now, I would not recommend that. But here's what he did. He cut out all the passages on the supernatural and the miracles of Jesus, and he actually called it the life and the morals of Jesus. Because in essence, he struggled with the parts of Jesus' divinity and the supernatural things. Now, I know that many of us in this room, most of us in this room, all of us in this room, I don't think many of us would destroy a physical Bible. But I wonder if sometimes, mentally, we skip over the things we struggle with. I wonder if sometimes the things that we are uncomfortable with or unfamiliar with, we just sort of skim over or we cut out mentally speaking. And really, when it comes to the subject of physical healing, the church, for the most part, has been kind of painfully silent on this issue. And so there's a lot of different people, even in this room, that believe healing exists. Some people don't believe in it. Some people don't know what to believe on the subject of physical healing. So what I want to do today is just answer a few questions on the subject of physical healing and really examine, is this a ministry of Jesus, and is it something we should be praying for even now? So first, let me just start off asking this question, and maybe the most important question, as you discuss the subject of physical healing. Does physical healing and miracles still happen today? Does it still happen today? Well, I haven't answered it yet, so (laughs) getting ahead of the gun here. Really, what it is is that when you look at this, everybody, regardless of what denomination you are, Everybody will fall into one of two categories, theologically speaking, when it comes to the subject of miracles and healing. The first theological term is cessation. And this really belief is that once the Bible was written or once it was given, people believe that some people believe that the the miraculous gifts, which are gifts like tongues, prophecy, healing, and miracles, they no longer exist. And some people will say that once the Bible was given, that we, we don't have a need for that anymore. So that is cessation. Other people, and, and I fall into this camp and our church falls into this camp, is continualism. And what we mean by this is that we believe the miraculous gifts are still in continuation today. That we believe they're still in operation. Now, we want to be careful not to abuse these gifts. And what I mean by that is that it's so easy if you're not careful to fall more in love with the blessings of God than the blesser. If you're not careful, what will happen is you'll fall more in love with the resources of God than the source, and we want to make sure that's not true of us. But regardless of whatever your beliefs are, what denomination you are, there are people in our church that say, hey, I'm Baptist. There's other people who said, like, I'm a charismatic with a seatbelt. There's other people who said to me, you know what, I'm a bit Pentecostal. My favorite was someone told me that they're a bit of a Baptist and a Pentecostal, so they said they're Baptocostal. So whatever camp you fall into, everybody will fall into one of these two camps. You will either believe in continualism or cessation, regardless of what your denomination, your upbringing, your thoughts are. Let me just tell you why I believe the gifts of the Spirit and physical healing, while we've got to be wise and not abuse it, while I still believe it's a gift for today. Uh, I mentioned this when I did the, the sermon series, Jesus at the Center of the Church, but there's a church in 1 Thessalonians that's called the model church or the example church. 
Now, if something is a model or an example in Scripture, we'd be wise to follow that. And this is what it says about this church in Thessalonians. It says this, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And so this model church, and I mentioned this in the sermon I did at the beginning of the year, but this model church, the gospel was built on two things in this church, and it's two things I believe God has called our church to be built upon. First, it's the Word of God. Isn't it interesting in a culture that seems to be drifting more and more away from truth that there has never been a time where we need to anchor into the Word of God? You know, it is so many people that are falling prey to false beliefs. In a culture that we tend to call what's good evil and what's evil good, we need to be a church that is based on the Word of God. Amen? And so we want to unapologetically base everything we do on the Word of God. And so when we talk about the Word of God, what we're speaking about here is this is doctrine. This is knowledge. This is wisdom. This is theology. This is discipleship. But also, we want to be a church that is based on the power of God. Because notice this, it goes forth in the Word and power. And this is miracles. This is healing. This is the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. This is revival. This is an awakening in our church. And what I find is if you're not careful, some people will sort of pick what they're most comfortable with and they sort of lean to one side or the other. But notice that if Paul says this is a model church, he probably would have let go of the power side of it if miracles and healing were not to be a part of the church today. In fact, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.4. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. I love this, 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know, you, you have never been on an airplane, I would submit to you, and had someone go, hey, like, are you more of a right-wing person or a left-wing person? No one would say that. Why? Because it takes two wings to fly. And the reason I say that, isn't it interesting that some people, they won't use these words, but you'll find churches that will sort of categorize or group up with what they're comfortable with. And so some people will be like, well, we're a word church. And other people go, no, no, we're power church. But if you're going to keep Jesus at the center of your life, and if we're going to keep Jesus at the center of the church, you don't get to pick what you're most comfortable with. Amen. It is a church based on the Word of God, the theology of God, which means if you're more comfortable with power, then you need to discipline yourself, study the Scriptures, and be involved with the discipleship of what Jesus is interested in. But if you're also someone who studies the Scriptures, but you find yourself struggling to believe what's in the Bible, then like that man in Mark chapter 9, maybe your prayer is, I believe God, but help my unbelief because I believe that God has called us to be a church that is both word and power, and we're to be both of those things. Now, that begs the second question. If you really believe that miracles still exist today, what is the purpose of miracles? What's the purpose of miracles and healing? And there's confusion on this. Listen to what it says in John chapter 2, verse 11. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples, notice this, believed in him. Let, let me just state this very clearly. The purpose of miracles, the purpose of miracles, the purpose of healing is always, always, always the glory of God. 
The purpose of miracles is always so that the name of Jesus would be spread. It is always about him, and it is always for him. In fact, listen to what is said after Jesus heals the widow's son in Luke chapter 7, uh, 16. This is what it says. They were all filled with awe and praised God. Notice this. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And notice this important part. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So the purpose of miracles is not about you and I. It is always, always about the glory of God. And so one of the questions people will ask is, if it's about the glory of God, why doesn't Jesus heal everyone? Why doesn't he just heal everyone? You know, I heard a story recently of a family that went to the Holy Land. And they went on this trip to the Holy Land, and uh, this man's mother-in-law was with him as well. His entire family was there. And uh, all of a sudden, the mom got in a tragic accident. And she was killed. And so they had to do the unthinkable. They, they sat down and figured out what they were going to do with their mother-in-law. And so this, this son-in-law sat down with the funeral director, and he found out he really had two options. One was he could ship his mother-in-law back to the United States, but it was going to be about thirty or $40,000 and the other option was that he could actually bury his mother-in-law in the Holy Land. And it was only going to be about 1000 to $2,000. And so the funeral director asked this guy, what do you want to do? And this son-in-law thought about it, and he said, you know what? It's my mother-in-law. When you do the right thing, just ship her back. And the funeral director looked sort of puzzled. He said, why would you do this? It doesn't make sense. It's so much more money. And the story goes that this man said, this, this son-in-law said, well, I've heard a story about a man who died here and rose again three days later. <laughs> Some of you are just getting this. And I just can't take that chance. Ship her home. Now, my mother-in-law is watching this. That is not a crack on my mother-in-law. It's a crack on your mother-in-law, right? I just couldn't resist. It's just something about mother-in-laws and cats, right? It just, it's just something you've got to deal with each Sunday. But, you know, the reason I, I share that is sometimes when you talk about physical healing and why God doesn't heal, some people think really the reason that God doesn't heal is because of you. You ever notice how much pressure people put on themselves when it comes to physical healing? Like it's like, I gotta pray the right way, if I gotta say the right tone. It's almost like God is a Rubik's Cube up in heaven. And if you pray the right thing and you do the right verse, and if you have enough faith, then God will heal. The problem with that is physical healing is not dependent on you, it's dependent on God. It's all about God and it's for his glory. Most of the time we struggle with physical healing because our eyes are on the wrong thing. We're on ourselves. And let me just submit this to you. I believe God wants to do incredible miracles in our church. In fact, I, I've seen him do incredible miracles in our church. Do you believe God wants to do more miracles in our church? Well, let me just submit why I believe it. I believe God wants to do miracles not so that my faith looks big, but so that our Father looks big. Amen? And what would happen? Think about this. Most of the time, I don't pray for people or I'm praying for someone, I'm so concerned about how I might look if healing doesn't happen. And so what happens is I start praying with almost all these disclaimers because what if it doesn't happen? What if my faith isn't strong enough? But what would happen if you got your eyes off of yourself for long enough and you became more concerned about God and his glory? I think we'd pray differently. 
I think you'd start praying, God, I pray that you would move and you would trust that if he doesn't, he's sovereign to do what he wants when he wants. But the invitation for all of us is to get our eyes off of ourselves because the purpose of healing and miracles isn't even physical healing. It's the glory of God and it's the name of Jesus to be spread. In fact, almost every miracle in the Bible, you ever notice this? When you read the miracles of Jesus, there will be things like this, and his name spread throughout the region. It never says, and Peter looked great. <laughs> and no one ever said, and the Apostle Paul looked awesome. But yet, that's what I am more concerned about. And if I would contend for a lot of us, that is the thing we are most worried about, the purpose of miracles. And maybe sometimes while we don't pray or see them is we have our eyes fixed on the wrong thing. And here's maybe the most important thing I can talk to you about today, the thing that I think might be the most helpful as we talk about physical healing and miracles, the question of how does God heal? What does that look like? And there are three things, they're in your program, I encourage you to jot this down, but there are three things when God heals, that, that three ways I believe he heals. The first is this, he changes your circumstances. And what I mean plainly here is that the cancer's removed, the, the sickness is gone, the anxiety is taken away, the, the, the issues that you are facing, the diagnosis is reversed. And I really believe when we talk about God changing our circumstances and healing, there's three ways God does this. And I think most of the time we only give him credit for one. When God changes your circumstances, I would submit to you that he heals naturally, he heals medically, and he also heals supernaturally. But most of us only give God credit for one. Isn't it amazing that God has designed your body in such a way that you can get sick and you can sleep and take some water and white blood cells will somehow miraculously attack this, this sickness and we're not amazed by that. That is credit to the glory of God. And so I encourage you, every time God heals you naturally, that is healing. That is how God has designed you in his wisdom and his majesty. The other way is medically. God has designed where medicines and wisdom can be used in such a way to transform your circumstances. And the third one is supernaturally. There are times when doctors and the laws of physics say one thing, but the kingdom of God says something else, amen? He operates on a different spectrum. And so we want to be a church that believes all these are possible, natural, Medically and supernatural, God changes your circumstances. And here's the one that I don't always love, but here's another way that God heals. Um, he heals you spiritually speaking. He heals you spiritually speaking. Sometimes he will change your circumstances, but I would submit this to you. He will always change you spiritually speaking. Let me just submit this to you. I believe, remember the story of Jonah where God gives him a task to go to Nineveh? And what does he say? No way. And so he runs, and remember, he's, he's in the belly of this whale, but, but he asked for release. He asked for his circumstances to change. And I would submit this to you. Jonah was not changed or transformed from the belly of the whale. He was transformed in the belly of the whale. It was in the darkness. It was in the suffering. It was in the struggle that he became the person of God. He became the man of God. Most of the people in this room who are spiritual giants Men and women of faith, I would contend, became men and women of faith because of some struggle. You were changed spiritually in some struggle in your life. God will change your circumstances, I believe, a lot of times. He will always change you spiritually when you submit to him. It's interesting. Do you know why the early church exploded? 
Like, like most of us forget we're a part of one of the largest movements on planet Earth, but it didn't start that way. In fact, let me remind you, when Jesus was crucified, most of his disciples fled. There was not mass followers of Jesus once he was crucified. So what happened? How did the church explode? Well, here's why it exploded. In Revelation, Christians were being persecuted. It's awful stuff when you read about it. They were being torn apart by gladiators and and wild beasts in the arena. The, The tragedies of what Christians faced were horrific, but here's what happened. Christians probably were praying for their circumstances to change, don't you think? They were probably praying for persecution to stop, but it didn't. But what happened was in the middle of their prayers, God began to change them. And Christians were dying with such confidence and such poise and forgiveness that all the Roman Empire couldn't figure it out. They thought, how could you kill someone and they have joy? How could you tear apart their families and they're forgiving the very people that are killing them? And the whole Roman Empire couldn't figure it out. And as a result of that, the church exploded. So what happened was Christians were being changed in their struggle, and it changed the world. It shook the foundations of the world. And so let me just submit to you, God will always heal you, spiritually speaking. Let me just say this, this is not on healing. But there are people that probably are in this room, and you have a bad marriage. Can I just submit to you, God doesn't always, and most of the time, he doesn't do this. What he wants to do is not give you a new marriage. He wants to transform you in that marriage. There are times where I have prayed, and I've prayed for a new job. Not now. I love this job. (laughs) And if you don't like it, you're stuck with me. Sorry. But there are times where God didn't want to give me a new job for a season. He wanted to give me a greater purpose in that job. There are times where God does not want to change your circumstances right now. He wants to change you in those circumstances. What he's most concerned with is about your spirit and your soul, I would contend. And it's interesting, almost every time you look at physical healing, you'll notice that there's almost like an inner healing God does as well. Have you ever noticed this? In fact, let me just show you this. In Matthew chapter 9, it's sort of odd when you look at it this way because there's a paralyzed man. And clearly he needs his circumstances to change. But listen to what Jesus does in verses 1 and 2. It says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. But notice what Jesus does, very next sentence. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Notice he doesn't start with his circumstances. He doesn't start with his legs. He starts with his soul. He's changing him from the inside out. And so sometimes God will heal you and your circumstances. He does that naturally. He does that medically. He does that supernaturally. Sometimes he will do both. He will change you in your circumstances, spiritually speaking, and the physical outcome. And other times what God will do is he will give ultimate healing. What I mean by that is he heals by the grave. You know, we don't think about this. The greatest miracle and healing of all is the resurrection that we experience once we die. The greatest miracle of all. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? So think about this. You were not made for this world. That's why nothing of this earth satisfies. In fact, the more you consume of this world, you notice this, the more you consume of this world, the more you need of that same substance to keep you happy. And at some point, you've got to evaluate, is the issue with the substance or the, is the issue with what your source is? 
Because the thing that you're not made for is the stuff of this world. And so Paul's going, hey, death, where is your sting? Because we have a new place that awaits us, amen? But here's the thing I want to submit to you. Everybody who's ever been physically healed by Jesus has one day died. You know what you don't see running around our church? A little Jewish boy from 2,000 years ago going, hey, Jesus, Jesus, heal me. And if he did, that's a demon. Run, all right? <laughs> but everybody who experiences physical healing, it's temporary. But you know what's eternal is ultimate healing, where you and I get to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever, where the Bible says there is no more sickness, no more tears, no more pain where the Bible says there is no more tears, no more sickness, no more pain, where you get a glorified body, which means no more pains, no more backaches. I've already told Jesus I want a six-pack when I get to heaven, and I'm not working for it, all right? <laughs> and so whatever it is, you get to this place where you trust that healing happens. And the reason I tell you this is notice this. Most of us are so trained to pray one way, and then we think when it doesn't happen, Jesus doesn't heal. When you see this, Jesus heals always. There is no prayer where you can pray where Jesus will not heal you spiritually speaking, where he will not heal you in your circumstances sometimes, or he will not bring ultimate healing by the grave. In this way, what happens is your faith increases because you're not wondering, because what the enemy does is get you to go, see, it didn't work. And what Jesus wants to do is expand your understanding of how he heals this morning. The fourth thing that I would say to you is this, how do we pray for physical healing? And specifically what I mean here is, how do you pray with like a boldness for the miraculous healing? How, how do you pray for cancer to be gone and, and even marriages to be restored? How do you pray for anxiety to go away? Like, how can you pray? Because some of you, as I speak, you go, yeah, I get miracles happen. As you're saying this, I can see that. And I get that it's about the purpose and glory of God. And I get the different ways he heals, but honestly, if you told me to pray for someone in my family right now, I wouldn't even know how to pray. Like, like I would struggle and, and I wouldn't know what to do. Let me just say this first. You know, years ago when I was in Chicago, I used to play golf with a friend of mine and he used to say the most obnoxious phrase every time I get ready to putt. Every time I get ready to putt, he would say this phrase to me. He would say, hey, remember, Brian, just want you to know, if you go short, you miss 100% of the time. And I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious. It's like every time I get ready to putt, it'd just be this obnoxious phrase. Hey, remember, Brian, if you go short, you miss 100% of the time. Now, I say that to say I have never once forgotten that phrase. Number one, because it's obnoxious. Number two, because it's true. And I tell you this, and if he's watching, I deny it. But, but I tell you this, there are some shots I made because I did not want to hear his mouth if I went short. So I took some shots, and I missed some shots, but I made some shots that I went further on that I wouldn't have done because of that phrase that he said. And why do I tell you this? It's interesting, in James chapter 4, verse 2, James says this, you don't have because you don't ask. And it's almost like Jesus is saying through James, hey, you know what? If you don't take the shot, and if you don't pray for people, and if you don't ask for healing, you will miss the miracle 100% of the time. If you don't take a shot and just step up to the plate, and you don't have to worry about all these disclaimers, you just be you. You just pray and ask God to move. And even as I say that, maybe the first way you begin to ask God to help you pray for the miraculous is this. Remember that prayer, Mark chapter 9, I spoke on the first week, I believe but help my unbelief. 
I believe, but help my unbelief. But here's the other thing. Just pray boldly and directly. You know, about a month and a half ago, my son was sick. And my wife will tell you, now that I've sort of grown in this area, every time anyone in my family is sick, I will lay my hands on them, and I don't give all these spiritual disclaimers. I just start praying for healing. So my son was sick about a month and a half ago, and I just laid my hands. They're not long prayers. They're just bold and direct prayers. God, in the name of Jesus, as a son of yours, I ask for healing over my son's body. Sickness be gone. It's just that simple. And, and I, I began to pray. I got done, and my wife called me uh, later that afternoon, and she said, you're not going to believe this. Tristan is running around. It's like he's been completely healed. And I am 100% convinced that God supernaturally healed my son a month and a half ago, 100% convinced. Now, fast forward, he gets sick again three weeks down the road because kids are like Petri dishes, amen? They're just walking sickness bowls. And so I start praying every single day, same way. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would cast out sickness. He doesn't get better supernaturally. It takes him four or five days, but guess what? He heals naturally. But I'm telling you this because my faith was not rattled. I just kept praying and asking because I know if I don't take a shot and pray, I will miss the miracle every single time. And what I notice is sometimes, you ever notice this? Like as Christians, especially if you've grown up in the church, you ever watch someone's almost theological prayers where they're over-explaining things? It's like, God, you are sovereign and I am not. God, you see what I can't. You know, can I just tell you, my daughter has never once walked up to me and said, hey, Dad, I got to ask you a question. Before I do, can I just say you are so wise <laughs> that I, I submit to your wisdom. You see what I do not see. You know what I do not know. You have walked where I have not walked. And I know the thing I'm asking for has 30 grams of saturated fat. <laughs> and I know the thing I'm asking for has 15 grams of sugar. But if you would see in your divine wisdom to bless me, and if you don't, God, I will not be rattled, or dad, I will not be rattled because you are my dad. What do you think? You know what my daughter says? She says, dad, get me ice cream. She asked me that at seven o'clock the other day in the morning. Why? Because she's a kid. She lets me be a dad, and she's a kid. You know what the Bible, all the Bible says to you is to ask. Let God worry about being God. Let God be sovereign. You don't need to remind God who he is. He knows who he is. And so many times, if we're honest, the way we pray gives so many disclaimers that we never even ask God for the thing we want. We spend more time explaining away disappointment than we do just asking. In the name of Jesus, would healing come? In the name of Jesus, would marriages be transformed? Just ask. Because if you don't take the shot and you don't pray, you'll miss the miracle every single time. You know, we in church talk about the greatest tragedy is unanswered prayer. I would submit to you it's not. It's unasked prayer. It's unasked prayer. Because what Jesus says is, you don't have because you don't ask. And so let God be God. If he chooses to heal naturally, great. If he chooses to heal supernaturally, amazing. If he chooses to heal how he wants to, when he wants to, the ways he wants to, trust him to be God. You just do what he's called you to do. Be his child. And he has called you as a child of God to ask, 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 and petition heaven. You know, it's interesting, it, you know, as we talk about the subject of physical healing, I, I believe we saw a supernatural healing even the last week in our church. Many of you are aware that there was a student in our church, Emily Moore, 
who's now at Anderson University. She was a part of the youth group. Her family's involved uh, in our church. And uh, two weeks ago, Emily called her mom, and she just said, hey, mom, I'm not feeling good. And much to her parents' horror, the next day, Emily was in the ER with heart failure and brain swelling in critical condition. And what had happened was her body had been so overrun and it was starting to shut down because of pneumonia, the flu, COVID, and a stroke. And it did not look good. And what I'm so proud of this church is in the midst of this, I believe this church did what it does best is it began to pray. There were organized prayer meetings. People in this church began to pray. People in the hospital began to pray. Anderson University students began to pray. And it was just like people began to petition heaven knowing that we just want to ask God for his outpouring and his miracles in a supernatural way. And this is what her dad Jeff said. I love this. He said, from our immediate prayers to a tidal wave of prayers from friends, family, and strangers, literally across six continents, she has been healed and is on her way to recovery. Isn't that amazing? I love that. And I love what her mom said. All I could say that day was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm still saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is healing, your name is power, and your name is life. Amen? And I am not saying this at all. I am not saying that because of this sermon, this happened. But isn't it interesting? It's almost like God said, hey, I want to encourage the people of Brookwood that when you ask and you petition heaven, I am faithful to respond to the cry of my people. And so it's interesting to me this. There is not a week that goes by I don't hear someone saying, hey, man, God did this in my life. God showed me this thing. And it's a variety of stuff. Some people are just going, hey, the Bible is making sense, and I have a hunger for the first time. Someone else about three weeks ago talked about a physical healing they experienced. I mean, the spectrum is so wide of how God is pouring out his spirit, but I submit this to you. Do you ever notice there's a correlation between God pouring out his spirit and the increase of asking? You know, we have been praying and seeking God in radical ways. You might even be aware of this. I think this is amazing. Do you know for the last two weeks and during this entire series, so it's going to happen all through next week, that there is 24-7 prayer happening in our church, which means someone woke up this morning at 1 a.m. and prayed from 1 to 2. Someone else prayed from 2 to 3. Someone else prayed from 3 to 4. And they prayed for you, and they prayed for the Spirit of God to move. Isn't that amazing? An entire month of unceasing prayer. And so when you talk about Jesus pouring out his spirit, I just don't find it coincidence that our church is asking for more of God than ever before. And so let's be un unapologetic to ask God. And let's not worry about failure. You know, it's interesting. You ever think about, you ever think about sports and careers where people fail? Like, like in the game of baseball, if you fail seven out of ten times, you're not just a good hitter, you're a Hall of Fame hitter. And in the sport of fishing, if you call that a sport, I don't know. And that's not a crack on you, fishermen. I just, is it a sport? I don't know. It is, it is. Said two guys right there. I like it. Well, it's a sport. For the sake of this argument, it's a sport, you know? But like you show up and fish, somebody will catch an amazing fish. But isn't it interesting? You go back the same day or the next day, the same spot, same place, you catch nothing. 
But people keep showing back up, even though they didn't catch anything the day before. Why? Because you never know. You never know what will happen. And when you start asking God to move and pour out his spirit, maybe he doesn't show up that day how you want or when you want, but maybe he does. You never know. And so what I would submit to you is let's be a church that takes a shot. Because if we don't pray for healing and we don't pray for the outpouring of the Spirit, I believe we'll miss the miracle every single time. And let's not let failure or, oh, this thing didn't happen. You know what? If God showed up once, that's enough for a lifetime. But let's keep asking and asking and petitioning heaven and trust God to be God. We'll be his children, but we'll ask. We'll ask. Let's be unapologetically bold. Let's not be rattled when it doesn't happen. And let's not be prideful when it does because it's all about Jesus. He is the center of history. He's the center of this church. He's the center of it all. And so, can I just submit this to you? The one thing I don't want to happen is I don't want to get to heaven and ask God this question, hey, why weren't there more salvations in Simpsonville? Like, I don't want to get to heaven and go, hey, why why didn't we see more, more healing in our day? I don't want to get to heaven and go, why weren't more marriages restored? Why wasn't more depression and anxiety removed? Why weren't more strongholds broken? And then Jesus looks at us and just says, because you didn't ask. You didn't ask. See, I think the greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer. It is unasked prayer. And so let's be people who are bold and ask God to move. You know, there's a woman in our church who I sat with a couple months ago, and I loved her spirit. As I sat with her, she said, you know, I love the word of God. I wake up reading the word of God every single day. But as I read the stories of Jesus... And as I read about this Acts 2 church, I just can't help but believe there's more power that God wants to pour out in my life and in our church. And with tears in her eyes, she just said this. She said, Brian, I want more. And so I humbly ask you this. If God answered every one of your prayers this entire month, what would those prayers be? I was driving to church thinking about that. If God answered every one of my prayers, there wouldn't be a whole lot of prayers to answer because honestly sometimes I don't ask I talk to God but I just believe he's increasing my appetite for believing more is possible so I ask you this question do you want more of God do you believe more is possible and I submit this to you whatever you want for your life God wants more which is a humbling thought whatever you can dream up for your life God wants more spiritually speaking Whatever you can dream up for our church, God wants more. Whatever you can dream up for this city, God wants more. You cannot outpace God's heart for his people and for the church and for the city. So let me just say this. Let's just ask God, even today. So what I want to do as we close is I want to do something. In fact, I'm going to ask um, if our prayer counselors would just uh, come their way up to the front right now. If you're on the uh, outside. On the ends of the aisles, you can come up front right now. What I want to do is just close and ask. You know, this week as I was getting ready to preach on this subject, my amazing assistant said, hey, you've been sick for three days. Why don't we pray? So as I spoke on the subject of physical healing, I had the prayer team actually come in my office and anoint me with oil and just pray. And so I invite you, let's be people who ask God. The last service, there were people lining up asking for God to move. So can I say this? May we not miss out on a miracle because we don't ask. If you have some sort of physical sickness, 
If there's someone you know who has a physical sickness, if there's some situation in your life, it could be a marriage that you're praying for God to restore. Can I just say this? Of all the weekends, may we be people who are unapologetic to ask. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask boldly. And I really believe God will heal some people. And we're not going to be rattled when he doesn't, but we're going to in faith just ask. And so if that is you at the end of this service, as I pray, I just invite you to come down here and let us pray over you and let's just ask God to move in ways only he can. Amen? And so let me just pray for us and then we're going to close out our time. And I just say this, you know what? You will wait in line five or ten minutes for fast food. So wait five minutes for prayer. Wait five minutes and let's see what God might do as we pray and seek him together. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are in this room. I pray the blessings of God over their life. I pray this would be a church and this would be a people who are anchored deep in the word of God. I pray like the scriptures say, we may taste and see that you are good, but oh God, I also pray on today's subject for power. I pray that first you would create in us a capacity to believe for more. Even now, would you take the unbelief that is in me and in the people in this room and would you increase our expectations for you? May we read the story of the Bible not as past history but as present reality. And when it comes to subjects like healing, would you give us a boldness to pray in the name of Jesus for healing? Would you let us simply be sons and daughters who ask and you choose to do what you want when you want? So God, we submit this time to you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the work you've already done. And in expectation, we thank you for what you're going to do. So we say this all in the amazing, mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Everyone agreed? and said, amen. Blessings, friends. We are grateful you joined us for today's episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week's ministry spotlight is the Brookwood Women's Conference featuring the Light FM's Girl Talk. Women ages 18 and over are invited to join us for this lively two-day event that will encourage you to remain in Christ. Girl Talk is a ministry of the Light FM. Carol Davis, Trisha Kelly, and Kelly Brandon will engage in real conversations about authentic faith. Girls Weekend will be a time of connecting, fun, fellowship, and the opportunity to enhance your walk with Christ. You can learn more about this and register at brookwoodchurch.org slash ministry spotlight. You're also invited to join us for a collective night of worship Friday, February 23rd, starting at 7 in the Brookwood Auditorium. This is with Fellowship Greenville, City Lights, Kingdom Life, Summit Church, and Brookwood Church's choirs and praise teams. This will be a powerful evening with our neighboring upstate churches gathering as one voice and lifting the name of Jesus. There is a daily devotional companion for the Jesus at the Center of Freedom series. This will help you spend time with God every day, and you'll find the daily devotional on the Brookwood Church app. On the app, you'll also notice that you can share the day's devotion you're reading with your friends and family through text messaging, email, and your social media. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you during our next episode.